Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this special 7 News Extra podcast. Tokyo 2020 was pretty special for Emma McKeon. Not only was she the first Australian to ever win four gold medals at a single Games, her record haul made her Australia's most successful Olympian ever. But this quiet girl from Wollongong takes the success in her stride, proud of her achievements but always looking for the next challenge. Emma sat down with 7 News sports presenter Mel McLaughlin for this exclusive one-on-one before leaving Australia again for the International Swim League. They discussed Tokyo, family and the future. Thank you for joining us. It's such a pleasure. Um, We're so delighted to have you in here and and chatting with us about what was, I'm sure, an unbelievable experience. First things first, we've just come from another Seven office where something a little bit different and quite special happened with, as you do, a a billionaire. Yeah. Tell us what happened. Um, Harry Triggerboth came in, so I got to meet him um, and he's actually giving all the Olympic medalists $5,000, which will definitely be a big help to a lot of us. He's a big character too, isn't he? Yeah, he was really funny. <laughs> he was nice to me. Yeah. yeah, but what he said is pretty much what, well, not everyone's, I guess, rich enough to be able to, you know, do such a gesture and I, I suppose express themselves in that way. But what he said, I think, applies to so many people who were so grateful for um, something so positive um, at a time like this, obviously. Have you got a lot of feedback like that? Yeah, a lot of people have been saying watching the Olympics, um, especially during lockdown, just brought so much life and excitement and happiness to so many people. And I've gotten comments like that for like the last two or three weeks, which it feels very nice because I've come back from Olympics into lockdown and I can see the impact that it's having on people. So it's nice to know that I was part of something that brought a lot of happiness to people. Yeah, you certainly were. We were talking, so in this room, one of our, we'll say crew members for want of a better term, Jack, who is from Wollongong and said to me this morning, I'm just a boy from Wollongong and she's a girl from Wollongong who's just, and I said, the most successful you know, Australian Olympian of all time. Yeah, exactly that. How does that term sit with you? Uh, it definitely, it feels a bit weird. Um, I don't know, because everyone's like comparing me to people that I grew up watching and admiring and it just, I don't know, it's a bit surreal to be mentioned in the same kind of 
category, I guess, as them. Um, and I don't see myself like that either. Like I still, for me, nothing's really changed. Um, so yeah, it is, it does sit a bit weird with me. I think it'll get a bit of getting used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But when you, I guess, with the plan heading into Tokyo, whether it was four years or five years, regardless, what, did you have an aim? Do you set aims or, or goals in terms of medals or expectations beforehand? Yeah, well, I definitely, well, me and my coach, Bolly, we'd spoken about um, what we wanted to do there. And I definitely went over there wanting to win gold um, in an individual event because I've never done that before. Um, and that's kind of what I had set in my mind for quite a long time. And that's what motivated me every day. And I think knowing, like, I had a lot of belief in myself um, and kind of having that belief is what kind of drove me every day because I knew that I didn't want to go and stand behind the blocks and not be 100% prepared. And I think that's what gave me a sense of like calmness behind the blocks as well, because I knew I'd done everything. So I was there and just knew I was the best prepared that I'd ever been. I think I've heard you say you um, love the feeling of standing there knowing um, that I've worked harder than anyone else here. And you, you just knew that. Yeah, well, I guess, I don't know. I don't, you don't know how hard anyone else is working, but so I can't say that I've worked harder than everyone else, um, but I know that I can stand behind the blocks and know that I've worked as hard as I possibly could and did everything that I could do right inside and outside the pool, um, even like working with my psychologist and everything and um, my nutrition and so many different things and making sure I'm doing everything right. And I even like leading up to the Olympics, I knew that that's how I wanted to stand behind the blocks, knowing I'd done everything because I didn't want to get there and just do it halfway. Yeah. In terms of, well, you mentioned a sports psychologist. Did you, I think, I think your dad said that that was maybe the difference for you, um, this winning mentality, maybe not that you didn't have it before, but um, what's been the difference, say, I don't know, from Rio or whatever point you want to, you know, make yourself and Tokyo to, to have achieved everything you did? What, what was the fundamental difference? I would definitely say just that belief because um, I guess in Rio I knew that I'd worked hard but I didn't have that like unwavering belief that I could win and I think that's the huge difference like your mental side of things controls so much it's actually crazy once you realise how much it affects everything so um, yeah, I feel like I did a lot of work with my psychologist and I feel like that was definitely what made the huge difference for me. What does that mean? What was that like light bulb moment where you had that full belief? Um, what was it? Was it something you said, something your psychologist said or just a moment or? I think it developed over time because I've been racing at that level for such a long time. So it definitely took a long time for it to get there. But I think part of it was my coach, um, Bowley, like he's coached so many amazing athletes and he had that 100% belief in me and was always telling me, like, we haven't seen the best of you yet. I know that you can do this and all of those kinds of things. And for someone of that, a coach of that calibre to have seen so many great athletes before and for him to be saying that and believing that in my ability, then I have to believe the same thing. Like, yeah, I... Like I'm working just as hard, but my mind, like I need to believe that as well. So 
mm. yeah, that was a huge, huge thing for me. Because I remember over the years, if you're sort of, um, you know, working at the Olympics or swimming championships and, you know, you obviously speak to people and get people's advice or, you know, speak to the experts, there were whispers about you years ago that you were going to be something special. So obviously for you, that's something that maybe has evolved over time for you, for you to believe that, even though people were saying that around you so long ago. Yeah, I think, well, I guess I was, have always been talented at swimming and I've always kind of had this belief in me that I could do something special in it. Um, and then along the way, I don't know, you kind of go through ups and downs and like stop believing in yourself. And I started to think, oh, like maybe I don't have what it takes to actually pull it off. And even though I wanted it so badly, um, but I don't know, it's just like learning to deal with those kinds of thoughts and um, I don't know, overcoming failure at different points and it's all just learning and um, it got me to the point that I'm at now and I think you can take it upon yourself to actually take notice and learn lessons from the things that you go through or you can just kind of like go along with it and I feel like over the years I've learned to do that pretty well. So do you remember, um, it's been what, a couple of weeks now, do you remember things clearly or is it a bit of a blur? Do you remember each race? Um, what, what are your memories and how clear are they? Um, they are a bit blurry, um, especially like the, the race that I'm most proud of is my Hunter Free. Um, and for me, when I look back on that, it is a bit of a blur. Um, I do remember being pretty calm, especially for Olympic final. Um, but yeah, actually racing it, it's pretty much a blur. <laughs> well, you said you're pretty calm. You always, you always seem calm. That's yeah. the impression you've always given. I think the well, people who know you know you, you know exactly what goes on with you. But um, you know, for the fans at home, you've just always just seemed like this the whole time. That's why I've said to you before. Do you get nervous? Yeah, I definitely do get nervous. Um, and I think that's normal. Like, I like to feel nerves because I feel like it gives me energy, um, and. Everyone always says that I look really calm out there, but I'm not, I'm not as calm as I look. Um, but yeah, I think for these Olympics, I was probably, like I was nervous, but I was excited as well. And I said a few years ago that when I was preparing for these Olympics, that that's how I wanted to feel when I raced. I didn't want to feel that anxious kind of scared feeling. I wanted to feel that nervous, but excited feeling and excited to dive in the pool and give it my all. And I feel like that's what I felt for these Olympics because I, and I think that's because I did prepare so well and did everything that I could. So I was excited to get in and kind of show that work to myself and all my team. So a common question, which I'm sure you would have been asked, and I, I think almost every swimmer gets asked is, what was going through your mind in that race? And you never know if it's a dumb question or not. You know, we've all been there, but because sometimes you get an answer, oh, I was thinking this, and sometimes it's just, I, I don't remember, or I was, you know, just trying to breathe and, and get through it. That hundred in particular, do you remember, I know you say it's a blow, but do you remember any part of, of, you know, what you're thinking at that time, how much you're aware of what's going on, who's right near you, that kind of thing? Um, well, I knew who was on either side of me. I had Kate on one side and then Siobhan from Hong Kong on the other side. Um, and she had done really well in the 200 the day before, two days before that. So I knew who was around me. Um, I remember thinking, I just want to get the first 50 done so that I can, because my back end is like my strong part. Um, so I just wanted to get the first 50 out of the way <laughs> so I could just race home. And that's all I remember thinking really, yeah. It was very special um, at the 
well, conclusion of the race. Um, your comments and also Kate's comments as well. I think, uh, well, I've talked a lot about just crying all the time through the Olympics. And I think um, I think there were a lot of us that were um, exactly the same, but uh, you know, that was one of those extra special moments given who the two of you were and are uh, and, and what happened as well. It must've been special for you um, with her alongside you and genuinely being so happy for you. Yeah, well, I've raced Kate for a long time now and um, she's an incredible athlete and um, she's definitely lifted the standards in 100 freestyle and um, I mean the field in there was like huge. There was Kate who's broken a world record before and done what she's done and there was the world record holder in that race and um, the past Olympic champion in that race. Like the whole field was incredible um, but to be right next to Kate um, and obviously she got the bronze medal um, to do that together is pretty pretty cool, pretty yeah. special. And, I got to lean over the rope and give her a hug after, so that was nice. And hugging so rare at the moment with yeah. COVID, so you take what you can get. But no, that was a spectacular moment. And what about the relays? What does it mean to be part of those moments? Yeah, well, our relays are always really strong, especially in the, the girls' side. So um, we had a lot of young ones this year come through and race so well, um, which is pretty cool on an Olympic stage to have girls who have not even raced at Worlds before and be part of an Olympic medal. Um, I think that's just so impressive. Yeah, and over the years, um, there have been just some spectacular moments in time um, with the relays. And, you know, we're just the Aussie fans at home, just loving every second, but they're always just so emotional. And, and you guys seem to um, really have a genuine love for each other. Yeah, the team's very close. Um, and I feel like every, every year, like we get new people, like young guys getting on the team and everyone just like fits in so well and everyone's so welcoming. And I feel like that's something we've, we've developed over time. Um, and I've been on the team now since like 2013. And I feel like every year everyone just gets closer and closer and it comes, becomes more like a family, which is really nice. And it's just a nice thing to be a part of, especially when you're going away for like four or six weeks at a time. What's your favorite relay memory? It can be, doesn't have to be Tokyo or it can be. Like, do you, do you have a, a standout one? I don't know, I don't really have a standout. I think, the relays in Rio were pretty special and the first one, my 4x1 in Rio, that was pretty special because that was my first Olympic medal um, and we broke the world record and um, I don't know, I, that's something that I loved being a part of. Mm. And then the 4x2 in Rio as well with um, Bronte Barrett, she was my training partner at the time and um, so we got silver in that one so to be a part of that, that was really cool. How do you look back on... Rio, what is it, five years ago now? And I know people that physically went over there found it tough because I guess just the place in general, there were so many dramas. But for you and your first Olympics and that whole experience, I know there was, was a bit of an off-field stuff that was a bit ridiculous. But I mean, in the pool, what was that experience like? It, being part of the team as well, because obviously the Aussie Dolphins team has been on quite the journey as well. Yeah, it was. It's all, I think the Olympic team's always a special team to be a part of. And before that, you'd hear people say that the Olympic team is always really close um, and I missed London and my brother was on that one and he said that that just it's a special I don't know it's just a different team to kind of be a part of because it's the Olympics and it's the biggest thing um, in our sport so yeah it's always special to be a part of and when I look back on Rio it was definitely different to these Olympics um, with all the different rules and everything mm -hmm. going on um, no crowd and all of that um, but I wouldn't look at it any, like, 
I don't think Rio was any better or worse or anything like that. It's just everyone says every Olympics is different and obviously this one was very different, but yeah. I guess in hindsight, you take for granted. So London, there was full freedoms. Tokyo, obviously there wasn't. Um, we were both over there and had huge restrictions in, in different ways, but Rio obviously had, I think it was a safety, it was safety issues, hey, and they were just, everyone was worried about everyone getting out there. Without going into it, I'm just glad you were in the closing ceremony. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Especially since we didn't go to these ones. So. No, that's yeah. right. Yeah, what was that like getting, having to sort of get out? Because we know that athletes had up to 48 hours to get out of the country in Tokyo. Yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind really, because um, once we got to Tokyo, it was just like full focus preparing and then start racing. And I was busy that whole week and then finished racing that morning and then flew out the very next day. Um, so it was just such a whirlwind. And then to land in Australia and go straight into quarantine, it's just such a weird experience um, and kind of emotional too, because I don't know, you don't really know what to feel because it's just been so intense for so long. And then all of a sudden Olympics is over and you're in your little room. Yeah. Yeah. We were saying that um, like for us, you know, we're just the media. I say just the media. We, but we were sort of chatting, you know, on WhatsApp groups or whatever or Zooms about what that must be like. Like for us, it's, you know, big fun job, but and then you, it goes quiet. But for you guys, you, for what you achieved and obviously you either want to celebrate, you want to see your family and your friends and all that sort of stuff. And then you put in a room like everyone else but that must be really strange after working so hard and having that experience yeah I think because you just want to have that like I don't know that let everything out kind of mm. thing and feel everything and experience everything um and it's kind of like you don't really know what to feel because <laughs> like I was just on FaceTime to everyone and um I don't know it's kind of like up and down like a bit of a roller coaster still even though you the Olympics are done you've just like for me like I just felt like I had all these years of leading up to this moment and then the moment's done and then yeah it's just weird and I think like I'm probably still like I guess dealing with it a bit because we're in lockdown now as well so um yeah I think it'll take me a bit and it's not all about alcohol but the fact that you couldn't you guys weren't allowed you yeah. you couldn't get sent a bottle of champagne yeah. <laughs> at the very least just a bottle of champagne yeah. I guess that's part of the um something that you guys definitely have to look forward to but you guys were trying to sell it we're, we're trying to get together before you got out of before you flew out yeah. but there was a hiccup yeah we had planned to stay in Darwin for one night um especially because a lot of us were coming back coming back to going to lockdown so we wanted to have one night of just fun, um, go to the sailing club and all of that in Darwin after the quarantine. Um, so it was we'll, all planned out? It was all planned. We were looking forward to it for the whole two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then on day 13 of quarantine, Darwin went into lockdown for a case. A and case. A case. And the, all our plans went to crap. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so we had to fly back to, I came back to Wollongong the next day and didn't get our night out. <laughs> well, I hope you had a good night with the family. In yeah, the, um, in the house. Yeah, in the house. We had a little backyard fire and oh, home cooked meal and stuff. So that was nice. That's beautiful. Um, back to Tokyo. What was it like in the village and, and what are your memories? Because I know you guys couldn't interact the way that you, you know, sometimes people go, oh, I saw this NBA style. We hung out here or Rafa yeah. Nadal was over there. What was it like for you guys? Um, well, I just remember we did everything so fast, like from going into the food hall and you know you put you get hand sanitized put your gloves on get your food really fast and they serve it to you sit down in these tables with the plastic barricades mm. and um 
I was eating my food within like five, 10 minutes and straight out of there. Yeah. Straight back to my room. And because people say, like people said to me, oh, did it get a bit loose? Did people go out and party? Come on, you can tell me. And what people don't understand is you didn't want to risk it because for you, it means you can't compete. Yeah. You get, you have to go into a facility for 10 days or you can't fly home till later or whatever. So you, you don't want to put any of that at risk. Yeah, it's too much of a risk. And also like, why would you risk it for yourself, let alone like your teammates? Um, and we didn't know what COVID was going to be like in the village in terms of like how many cases and stuff. So we were all a bit paranoid. Um, and for me, I wasn't going to take any risks. So I was doing everything so fast and getting back to my room and spending a lot of time in our little apartment. Um, and, you know, you wear masks everywhere. And Do you think it was handled really well? I think it was handled really well, yeah. Um, there ended up being hardly any cases in the village. And looking back, it was actually really safe. And we'll probably, it was probably the safest place to be almost in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How did you manage your program? Because it was so full on. Um, you obviously managed it, but I mean, yeah. what, what does that require? Because you hear a lot of people say, oh, one gold, I didn't sleep last night. I didn't this, I didn't that. How did you manage it the way you did? Um, I just prepared for it all. Like I prepared for a lot of what if scenarios and like, what if I don't get enough sleep? And I don't know, I've, I guess, cause I've done it for a while. Like I've experienced a lot of different things of racing with no sleep the night before and, um, all of that stuff and not just not letting too much get to you. Um, yeah, I think, cause I've done it before. I just knew what to expect and I don't know, it was kind of just like a routine, like this is what I did. I didn't steer from it. And it was good in that way because it allowed me to stay to like keep together for the whole eight or nine days or whatever it was. But it was also hard because I would finish one race and say get a gold medal. And then like I did my 100 free final and won that one and then came back that night for another race. And it was just kind of like so excited, but I have to leave that. So then I move on to the next one and like, I found that uh, at the time I found it easy, but once the week was over, it was hard to get out of that keeping together kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah um, incredible. And of course, between now and, well, we know Paris is, everyone's talking about Paris being three years, three years away and um, there's the Commonwealth Games and you're off on the weekend to go compete again. And um, there's, well, there's so many things between now and Paris. Do you... Do you, I know this is probably too soon and probably a rude question given what you just achieved, but is there something in you that knows oh, I can, you know, I can, I can get even better. I can do this differently. I can, you know, yeah. going forward. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I, I won't keep swimming if I don't feel like I've got more to give. Mm. Cause I think for me, that's where a lot of my enjoyment comes from is knowing I've got more to improve on and knowing I can do more, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, and I definitely want to go on to Paris and compete there. But at the moment, I, I don't want to think about no. that. <laughs> That's why I feel a bit rude. And like, can you just enjoy this for a minute? But also just the roar of the crowd again. I just yeah. being in all the venues in Tokyo, they made, they've built so many beautiful venues and you just keep thinking about what could have been. You yeah, know, and you I was always picturing Paris. that. Like yeah. even on the bus from the village to the pool every day and you'd see the other venues and you'd see it all built and set up for thousands of spectators to come through. And it was kind of sad seeing it like that. Um, but yeah, it also made us realize how lucky we were that it was on and we yeah. got to go and compete. I got asked in a few interviews over there, just, you know, people just wanting to know about um, what it was like and, you know, 
how the athlete seemed and, and everyone always said, oh, it's such a shame with no crowds. And of course it is such a shame, but it struck me that every athlete in the lead up and when you guys were all there, everyone just seemed so happy. You knew what was coming. You knew this is the only way to make it work. And um, everyone just seemed grateful with what the situation was for for what it was if you know what I mean yeah because we knew we knew we were going over there to have no crowd and so walking out it wasn't really a shock I didn't really look I didn't even look into the crowd um but I think also like there were so many cameras and stuff and even doing the interviews after and um you could definitely feel the support from back home so I think that made all the difference like we knew the whole country was watching and we knew all of them were cheering and supporting us and like competing, for me, competing day after day, I could actually genuinely feel that from everyone. Well, yeah, do you um, have a look, obviously you've got your phone, you get messages and things like that. Did you receive, or did you have a look at all those kinds of things? Did that, does that help you? Because you know, some people go after switch off from that sort of stuff or, or it helps them. Yeah, well, I speak to my family and my close friends a little bit, um, but I did just switch off from social media um, just to not have that added kind of distraction I guess um, and also just like because once I was back in the village I just needed to be resting and sleeping um, but when we were doing our interviews and um, like we'd be told about all different things that were going on back home and we could watch little clips on the screen and see everyone cheering and stuff so that was really nice. Is social media a good thing or a bad thing for you you think? For me oh, I think it's a good thing um, I think sometimes it can just be distracting in a way that you just spend too long on it <laughs> and don't go to sleep. Um, but they've kind of said, like we've been told before that being on social media, especially during like a high pressure meet like that, it's like leaving your front door open and letting anyone walk in. It's um, a good way of putting it. Yeah, so, and I knew like nothing bad's ever happened on social media. Like I don't have any problems with it, but you know, you just don't want to really take that risk when I've trained for so long. Mm. Um, and yeah, I didn't really need to be sitting on social media scrolling. No, yeah. <laughs> need to be asleep. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, so with what you just said, with you guys being able to feel what was going on at home, um, we've touched on it, but this pandemic, obviously no one saw it coming. It delayed, it was that big that it, you know, the world shut down, the Olympics was postponed, you know, no one, you know, we've never lived through anything like it. Um, I just think that the gravity with which, um, I don't know if you realise what you were part of, or maybe you do realise, just we can't stress it enough, the, the joy that it brought people because people are feeling anything but joy right now. And I think maybe for the Olympics, maybe around the world, but certainly for Australia, um, swimming, they used to be rock stars. It used to be the absolute, you know, the Dolphins, um, Sydney 2000, um, you know, there's a, such a long, you know, glorious history. Um, Tokyo, maybe, you know, the world was in lockdown. We were in lockdown, sorry. The Aussies had so much success, spearheaded by yourself. Are you aware that you're part of maybe a movement that's brought the Olympics back into, um, you know, the top echelons for Australia again and, and the swim team as well? Because people have been desperate to see that success again. Yeah, I definitely hope that that's how it is. Um, and I definitely, I remember growing up and watching sport and watching the swimming and they were rock stars and everyone loved it everyone loved watching the swimming and they were so successful and everything and to be part of this Tokyo team where everyone swam amazing and even other sports everyone did so well um, and then to have everyone back in Australia in lockdown watching and supporting that 
um, I think it's, yeah, it's so nice to have brought so much life to everyone and excitement. So, yeah, it's nice to be a part of that. And and I think genuinely, you know, you guys have become, you, you were anyway, certainly to a lot of people, but heroes to kids who now their memories are like the memories that we got to grow up with um, and say, look at what they did. I want to do that. I want to be an Olympian. There's a difference. Well, I want to be this, I want to be that, but I want to be an Olympian. I want to win gold. Everyone has a, a lot of people are driven by the Kathy Freeman moment, if you know what I mean. But not only did they see what they saw, um, these kids, They've also seen, like, well, you'd be too young, but uh, Sydney 2000, when that announcement was made as well and what that meant to people as kids. And now, you know, it's like Christmas. There's something to look forward to with Brisbane as well. Yeah, well, I was one of those kids growing up watching athletes do incredible things at the Olympics. And I wanted, I dreamt of doing something cool like that as well. So I, just like any other kid at home who dreams to do that same thing, I was exactly the same. And so many of us... Um, on the Olympic team would have been exactly like that as well and we just kind of worked hard and dreamt to do something like that and then ended up being here Um, and then for the kids who are young enough to realise that there's a Brisbane home games coming up in 2032 I think that's pretty exciting. Was that a big buzz for you guys when it was confirmed? Yeah, it was a buzz. Um, in the was everyone doing the maths, going, "Can I, can I make it?" Yeah, a few people were. I, <laughs> I knew that it's too far. In I'm definitely not going to be competing in Brisbane. Um, but everyone was just really excited. I think because a lot of us haven't really experienced a home Olympic Games. We've had the Commonwealth Games, but I think Olympics will just be a whole other level. Mm. Um, going back to your social media, you were saying when we were chatting earlier today that you, because I've said to you, you know. Um, you can appear shy and maybe a bit reserved. Um, and you just said, I, I just don't speak when there's no reason to, and um, which is fair. And I think a lot of people, including myself, could learn that. But um, so say Instagram going through, because when you're interviewing, you become a bit of a, like, it sounds, you feel creepy, like stalking, but going through stuff. You've obviously had a lot of fun times and love to travel and everything. And your captions are always mostly quite short and to the point and I, that struck me as well because people love to just go on and on yeah. and you're just like no this is what's going on and it's cool and I think you've done that for years and, and seen a lot of places right around the world you must be you know desperate to go travel again. Yeah I do love traveling I love seeing all parts of the world and um, swimming's definitely given me that opportunity because at different times I've been able to like latch a little holiday on the back of a big overseas meet so I can't wait to go over and travel again, which I get to um, go over and do that for ISL, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, and that's fair enough too. I think you deserve a holiday off the back if you can just go lie on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Do it for all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite place that you've been to? Um, favourite place? I love Italy um, and France, so I'm going back to Italy now. So <sighs> so cool. Um, and Wollongong as well, you post a lot of photos from down there. Obviously, it's where you're from. Yeah such a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, well, that's where I grew up. So that's what kind of like feels like home and reminds me of my childhood and my school years and stuff. So and that's where my family still is. So it's just it's always nice to go back there because it just like gives me that home feeling. Yeah. yeah. And um, such a famous swimming family. Do you, do you love swimming? Um, like the act, actual act of it in, you know, maybe that black line they talk about and everything. Yeah, well, with the black line thing, we like we don't even look at it. Yeah. So everyone thinks like, oh, you're following the black line, but we're not looking at it. It sounds more dramatic to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I do. I love swimming. There's definitely parts of it that I don't love, that I don't enjoy. Um, but I think what I actually love about it is just 
pushing myself and pushing my body and working hard um, and probably just like working hard for a goal and then may or may not like pay off like come to fruition but yeah I think that's what I love about it just challenging myself and then I've got so many friends in swimming as well so that's really nice. And tell us about a, a bit about the swimming connection and your family, obviously the swimming school and, and having your brother on an Olympic team, you know, what's that like? And, and obviously so firmly entrenched in swimming, the, the whole family. Yeah, I think, I think from the outside, it looks like we're such a swimming family just because we all did it. But I definitely think that like where we did it or my parents did it and my brother did it and I do it. But yeah, it's not like a swimming family. We're just a normal family. Yeah. 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 So it looks different, I think, from the outside than what it is. Um, have you seen the videos? You would have seen the videos that your brother's posted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how did you react to that? Um, um, just said, well, I think he's posted maybe three or, or something. Yeah. It's fun, funny, emotional, the whole bit. <laughs> yeah, it is cool to see that and watch them celebrating, um, I guess, because they couldn't be there. So it was nice to see their reactions to the video, um, to um, my race, I mean. So, yeah, it kind of, yeah. I FaceTimed them straight after my race, between my race and my medal ceremony. And? And they were more, like, I was excited, but they were, like, just showing it <laughs> a lot more than what I was. And I think I was, like, in a bit of shock kind of thing um, and just, like, can't believe that just happened and they were just bouncing off the walls. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Watching those videos, I was looking at them again yesterday and it made me nervous again, like, just the tensions. But yeah. your brother, actually all of them, they're all yeah. doing different things. It's really quiet. Someone's pacing. Someone's, like, frozen, can't look. It's just, yeah, it's all of it. And I think that's a real highlight. Again, this is very unique. We're, normally everyone would be over watching you, and of course, which is, you know, a very sad thing. But we've just seen some really beautiful moments of families. I don't know if you've seen too many of them all getting together in different ways and just or, or doing it quite private, privately, but um, being able to really enjoy that moment. Yeah, I think because they're all in their homes, so they're in their comfortable environment, yeah. so they can really just like show their true emotion. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see that because I think like if you're in the stands and there's so many people around, like you get excited and stuff, but in their homes, like that's their comfort zone. Yeah. So what did your really mum and dad say to you when you spoke to them afterwards? They didn't really say a lot. They just said like, they obviously said how proud they were of me and how excited they were. Um, but I think they were a bit speechless as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about your brother and your sister? Do you remember what, what anyone said? I, I know can't it, remember anything yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah. My sister did, my sister bagged my brother out a little bit because um, she said he was, he was up at like 5am this morning pacing the backyard and stuff oh. and he was just hilarious like being so nervous and like, he was probably more nervous than what I was so um, she bagged him out, him out a little bit. Yeah well it's yeah. a job isn't it? Yeah. Um, it seems to me that for you family is absolutely everything. Yeah my family is very important. Um, I mean they've been through all of it with me and because, because both my parents were swimmers I think that helped me a lot too because they've never put any pressure on me um, and I guess because they've been through it all they saw the importance of enjoying what you were doing um, and it also makes it easier because they just understand so they don't need to ask too many questions um, but yeah my family I'm very close to my family and yeah I guess I don't know it any other way either. Do you remember any advice that they say so or any of them have given you ahead of one of your big races? Do they do they do much of that? No, they don't really give 
advice. It's probably hard to give you advice. <laughs> yeah, I don't at know. The very top. <laughs> no, they don't really give advice. It's just kind of chat about what's going on in our lives or what's happening day to day. But yeah, it's not really advice. I think they just want me to go out there and enjoy it and stuff like that. Yeah. When you go overseas next on the weekend to compete, your uncle's over there, yeah? Yep. What's yep. He's coaching? So he's the manager of London Raw, which right. I'm the, that's the ISL team that I'm part of. And for those who don't know, can you explain a bit about the ISL? So it's um, the International Swim League and there's 10 teams and there's, it's, they had like a bit of a draft system. So athletes from all different countries can be on one team. And then the first season is regular season and that's for all of September in Naples. And we have just two day meets four times and then you score points for your team so it kind of feels a bit more of it's just a different way to race and score points for your team so it feels more teamy rather than individual Mm. and then they'll drop the bottom two teams off and then the next eight will go on to the playoff rounds and yeah so So swimmers love it yeah everyone loves it it's just like it's like olympics is such high pressure and then um isl is just I guess because it's an individual sport and then you come together on a team because you're trying to win your race, but you're not trying to make some time. You're trying to just win the race and score points for your team. And then, yeah, so we all love it. And I assume as well, you get to interact in a way that you don't normally with um, maybe swimmers from, from the other countries as well. Yeah, especially because of COVID um, at Olympics, I, we didn't get to really see many of our friends from other countries. So that'll be exciting to kind of socialise properly again. And um, I think everyone will be a bit more relaxed as well, having Olympics done, and then everyone will just be relaxed and just actually enjoying our time over there. Will there be many of the Aussies going over? Yeah, I don't know. There's quite a few of us. Some some stayed over after Tokyo, and then about, I don't know, six of us came back and then going back over again. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so with your achievements, your many, many, many achievements, uh, Tokyo obviously becoming our most decorated Olympian, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Um, I ma- imagine you give quite a measured response. What's it like knowing that Ian Thorpe and Liesl Jones, you, you, would you have known they were in the commentary box, part yeah. of the coverage? Yeah, I did hear about it, yeah. Does that, obviously you overtook them as well, and they were buzzing, they were so excited. Is that extra special? Things kind of maybe coming, maybe not, I don't know if it's, you know, if it hits you, but for the retired, you know, guys, in, uh, legends in the commentary box, they, you know, just buzzing, loving it. Yeah, it is cool to have their support, um, the way they were supporting me during the games and how excited they were. Um, but I don't know, I kind of, I would still see them as the legends of the sport. Like, I feel, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Because, well, I guess maybe, you know, you're still so young and everything and it must be strange everyone giving you all these labels now. Yeah, Great I think labels, it's but... weird. Like, looking from the outside, like, even before Olympics, I would have seen this as something different than what I'm feeling now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually doing it and, I don't know, being the person, it kind of feels weird. So I still, I don't know, I still look at them as like the legends of the sport and it's I'm just honoured that I'm mentioned in the same kind of category as them really. But do you know what you've done it's you put yourself in that like rare air forever that's <laughs> the rest of your life and long after that you it's your name mm. do you know what I mean and that's Australian sport like folklore you know legendary <laughs> hall of fame just all of it yeah 
I'm not trying to apply pressure. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking, I just want to go, that's freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, I am very proud of what I've done. And I know I worked hard for it. And it's, it's also not just me. Like, I've got such a big team behind me. Um, my coach put in so much work. I've got so many, so much support around me. So I feel like it's a big team effort as well. Your coach, it feels like he's part of the family as well and yeah. loves you like a family member, like two-way street and, yeah. and your whole family's the same when it comes to him. Yeah, well, he, Michael Bowl is my coach. Yeah. He actually um, grew up swimming with, swimming with both my parents, so they've known each other for a long time. How special is that? Yeah, yeah, it is special. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Okay, this, I feel you're too young for me to be saying this, but have you thought about your legacy? Just further on to what we're talking about, what you might want it to be or what you might want people to think when they think, think of, of you? Me. No, I haven't thought about that. I guess it's not really something that I think about, but I don't know. I guess I'd probably want people to think that, well, for, especially for kids, I would want them to know that I was, I was in their position when I was young, um, watching people on TV do awesome things in sport. And then, I don't know, I just managed to get to this level and worked hard, enjoyed what I was doing and learnt a lot of lessons along the way. And I don't know, I think it all comes down to belief. So for the kids that are watching us, if they just believe in themselves, then they can get to this level as well. Do you think that is the advice you'd give, um, say you were speaking to a, a classroom of kids right now, yeah. um, is that the advice you'd give and what would be the biggest lesson you could tell them that you've learnt? I would say, yeah, you definitely need to believe in yourself and sometimes that takes a while to get to that belief that you need because it's not always perfect and you go through ups and downs and you have to deal with failure and not getting what you want um, but I would say you need whether it's sport or something else you you find something that you love and you need to be realistic and realize that you're not going to love every aspect of something because I think that a lot of people give up on something because there's parts of it they don't like um, but you need to just find something that 
you love, realize there's things that you're not going to love about it, but I don't know, you're willing to deal with those things and you work hard enough to get to the level and believe in yourself, then you can kind of achieve, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. And you're a walking example that you can also be, um, you know, reach the dizzying heights that you have, but um, still be a very good person, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah, I think for me, I see the things that I've done in swimming, I, they don't change who I am. Um, I like being humble is definitely the characteristic that I've like, that's my number one thing that I've always wanted to be and something, yeah, a, achieving certain things, it doesn't change who you are. It's just, I worked hard to get there and believed in myself and yeah. Do you feel like we're in a really good place in terms of role models? We'll talk about female athletes, Aussie athletes, that is, you know, the, the swimmers, of course yourself, the Campbells, Arnie, all that sort of stuff, um, Jess Fox, um, the Matildas. Are we just in a really golden period? In, I'm not talking medals there. I mean, just in a really good place for, for kids to look up to the right kind of role models now. Because I feel like things have come full circle with, um, you know, stuff on social media and certain, you know, maybe not the best role models. And now this is really in a good place now in this country. Yeah, I feel like, um, especially the girls, well, the whole Olympic team, everyone's worked so hard to get there and everyone's an amazing role model. And I think for the girls' side, if we're talking about them, like everyone's just, everyone is really humble and everyone has worked incredibly hard to get there. And I think they are traits that you want to be a good role model in and inspire younger people to reach their goals. And it's not always sport, it's, there's so many, so many things that people have incredible dreams in. So um, for us to be achieving our dreams, I, I hope that we can be good role models for kids that are growing up trying to work towards theirs. Oh, well, you certainly are. Um, Post-swimming career, have you got any thoughts yet or not? Um, I'm not really sure yet because I'll swim for another three years. Um, travel more of the world. I hope to travel more. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, with Tokyo, when things were going so well for the whole team, the, the swim team, were you guys just looking at each other going, well, that went well. This is, this is still going really well, you know, because yeah. everyone was firing. Yeah, it was weird, I think. Yeah, we were kind of just going well from the get-go, really. Um, and I don't know, I watched Kaylee win her 100 backstroke and... How funny is she? Yeah, she's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> and um, Zach Stubbody called Key won his 200 breaststroke. And I remember walking back into the village with him one day. I think it was, it was, I think it was the day of, or the day after he'd won. And I don't know, it's just like such an impressive thing. And I hadn't won my 100 freestyle yet. I think I was, I'd just done my semi-final or something. And so my final was the next day and I was walking back in with him and I was just like, I, I wanna be in your position tomorrow. Like it just made me even more hungry. And yeah, it was just so cool to watch it all unfold throughout the whole week, watching how well everyone was doing. It seems like the feel of it um, as a team, the whole team, the Aussie team was so good. And you know, um, you know, there was, maybe there's been dramas in the past of, for, for various reasons, but it just seems like, you know, you had Ian Chesterman there and just a really solid team and the athletes and everyone was tight and just got the job done. Yeah, I feel like everything just ran smoothly. Well, from my point of view, everything ran <laughs> smoothly. Um, Ian Chesterman was amazing. He was such a great chef de mission and he definitely always had the athletes at the front of his mind um, and had, he knew what was going to help us prepare and race at our best and he knew that 
our coaches are the ones that have been working with us for so long and he just wanted to make everything work so that we could just do what we needed to do and so yeah he was amazing and then just the whole team as a whole like um, we'd get back into the village and um, everyone had been watching downstairs on a big TV um, and they were all so hyped and supporting us and yeah it was just a, not just the swim team but the whole team as a whole was just a, an amazing thing to be a part of and I think because everyone had been through so much to get there as well just made it even more special. And when you were all in uh, Howard Springs, I know you couldn't interact, you could, you know, you could chat, you couldn't like, yeah. you know, hang out the way you normally would. Was that a nice thing? You know, I know the situation wasn't great, but you had each other. Yeah, it definitely made quarantine a lot easier because I think if we were just in a hotel room on our own, um, it would have been a lot harder. So to have to, like coming back from the Olympics is such a huge thing. And then to go into quarantine, that's pretty hard. Um, but yeah, to have each other just like, you know, you can wave across the balcony or like have a chat to your neighbour and stuff. So that made it a lot easier. Just mentioning Kaylee just made me laugh. Did How did you all react when she um, swore down the mic to Nathan? <laughs> I didn't actually see it at first. I just saw it replays all over Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I think she became probably a meme or something like that. Yeah. But it's just so Kaylee and um, it reminded me of her sister Taylor as well because she's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think her sister actually said the word bogan so we can say bogan yeah. but like it, we mean that with the greatest amount of respect. Yeah. It's like very, very funny. Um, so much fun as well um, and we've just loved being able to chat to you. So thank you so much. Like we'll hopefully be able to check in with you. I know you're very busy but um, I hope you can go celebrate. If, if there wasn't lockdown right now, what would the party be? Where would you be? What would you be doing? Um, probably go out for dinner and then... I don't know, just out in Wollongong somewhere yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Oh, because you don't want anything named after you and Wollongong wants to name Not everything really. after you, yeah. correct? <laughs> yeah, everyone was up. They must have photoshopped. It's called the Illawarra. It's like a pub. Um, and they must have photoshopped the McKeon on it. And everyone thought it was real. I, I, was like, I saw it. I thought yeah. that was good. I was like, no one's naming a pub after me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the ticker tape parade. We need to bring back the glory days of that. And yeah. Just go through the city. Yeah, that would be open. good. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. I was going to say footy grand final. No, that's not in Sydney at the moment. No. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. How about we just Hopefully get to it? Hopefully next year. Yep. All right. Well, enjoy. Um, just congratulations. Thank you. Um, on everything you're doing and um, chat to you again soon. Good luck. Thank you.